News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Tonista Mihol Martin, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, can we start with uh, Northern Ireland, Tonista? Uh, uh, the comments from the Northern Secretary, Chris Heaton Harris, in relation to the Taoiseach saying he expected to see a United Ireland in his lifetime. Uh, Chris Heaton Harris said the Taoiseach comments were unhelpful. Yeah, I was surprised at that because uh, I think it's accepted that all um, political leaders and political parties are entitled to have uh, aspirations in respect of the constitutional future uh, of the island of Ireland. That has always been the case going back to the New Ireland Forum. Um, unionists want to retain the union. They're entitled to have that position. Um, many of us in the, in the Republic want to unite the people of Ireland. I, I'm a Wolf Tone um, Republican in the sense that I believe passionately in, in the idea of uniting and reconciling people on the island irrespective of the traditions um, and obviously that can take the manifestation of that in a political in political systems can take many forms so i was surprised that um chris uh, took that perspective on on on, on was on, that unhelpful on was his um, intervention well, I think, unhelpful? Um, I, I think the focus now needs to be on getting the executive restored as quickly as we possibly can i, I know and i do want to get to that in a moment yeah it just just before we move away from what the t-shirt said the t-shirt is a bit younger than than you and i uh, but do you think we'll see a united ireland in your lifetime in my lifetime well again you know I, i've been hearing that for a long long time you know and um I, as a member of government that brought in the Good Friday Agreement, um, which in my lifetime was the the great change, uh, great, great breakthrough in terms of politics on the island. I never thought it would happen, the Good Friday Agreement. When, uh, and we were, prior to that, used to daily bulletins of bombs and bullets and terrible atrocities. Mm. Now, the point I'm making here is that we need to, to realise the potential of the Good Friday Agreement. I don't know where, you know, I can't put a timeline on it because... It's very difficult to put a timeline on the need on reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately unity is about reconciliation between people. And that's, I've learned, is work we have to do every day of every year it, on a consistent is basis. It's maybe better if politicians from the South, be they Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil or Sinn Féin, don't put timelines on a united Ireland. Well, people are entitled to sort of use a phrase like in my lifetime, because what is a lifetime? How long is one's lifetime? It's, um, it could be 50, it could be 30, it could be whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, but I think what I've learned, and I've just come back from Palestine uh, and, and that conflict between uh, Israel and, and, and Palestine. And what comes out of that is the need for reconciliation, the need um, for, for, for peoples to, to have a meeting ground, um, to be in a position to share the space of land that we live on in a much more harmonious way than we have in the past. Okay. And that's what the Good Friday Agreement was about. I don't think we fulfilled the reconciliation potential of that agreement. We still have a way to go. The first step is to try and make politics work in Northern Ireland itself, and that involves is, the restoration. Is the British government doing enough to put the pressure on for a return of the Northern Ireland executive? Well, to be fair, two weeks ago I met with uh, Chris Heaton Harris at the British Irish Association in Oxford. We had a good meeting. Uh, I do believe a lot happened over August. My understanding is that the British government responded to issues that the DUP raised with it post Windsor framework in respect of certain issues arising in terms of North trade from Northern Ireland into Great Britain. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, there is a, a, an opportunity now within the next number of weeks uh, to resolve those issues. 
And I think every focus has to be on that. And I believe the people of Northern Ireland deserve an assembly, deserve an executive, because I'm a Democrat. And when we have elections, the natural consequence of elections is the formation of a government, the formation of a, a, a convening of a parliament. And it's to the detriment of the people of Northern Ireland that okay. that has not happened. Are the British government doing enough? Because Leo Varadkar said yesterday, we can't keep waiting. We have to start talking about alternative arrangements. Within I'm, sa the, I'm satisfied that a genuine effort has been made by the British government to get this okay. resolved, this particular phase of it. From the Irish government's perspective, the ongoing uh, failure to convene the Assembly and the Executive means that strand two of the uh, agreement, which is the north-south side of it, is in limbo and is not operating, operating optimally. And then as co-guarantors of the agreement, we have an entitlement to articulate uh, our concerns about that and the need uh, to get the entirety of the agreement uh, back into play. And, and that's a legitimate position from the Irish government to take. Okay, all right. Um, are we going to see a cut in the universal social charge in the budget? Is that, is that Fianna, particularly, it's a Fianna Fáil policy rather than the Fine Gael one, is it? Well, we're anxious that um, those um, across the stratum of incomes and low incomes in particular are, are, are um, supported in the context of the budget. Cost of living is the big issue. Uh, a lot of people are feeling the pressure of increased prices uh, and increased costs. And through a variety of mechanisms, be it on the pay front, on the income tax uh, USC front, all of that will come under consideration. The ministers will meet, the party leaders will meet. Also reducing the cost of public services. I mean, free book schemes, first time ever. If you know, yeah. we're uh, committed to doing that. For, that's um, what primary schools call primary schools. today for it to happen for secondary yeah, schools. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll examine that, what's possible in the context of second level schools next year. Uh, the overall budgetary framework is tight, notwithstanding IFAC's concerns about it. But when you factor in demographic changes and costs, um, the actual room for new initiatives is limited enough, um, both on the tax side and indeed on the public expenditure side. But you've got all these uh, one-off measures. I mean, last year's budget was, what, 11.5 billion? Does talk yes. of it being the same this year. I mean, you mentioned the Good Friday Agreement. Are we back in the Celtic Tiger era where we're, we're spending and, and cutting taxes? Uh, spending is high um, uh, and has been uh, over the last two to three years. But bear in mind, we've come through Brexit, COVID-19, and a war on Ukraine. Uh, any one of those in ordinary times would be enough to derail most governments. I think the government has coped very admirably, if I have to say so myself, with those major crises that have come our way, keeping the economy intact, and the economy has proven to be very the robust. The fiscal council would say, Tonister, you're repeating the mistakes of the past. We're seeing you're, you're at risk of overheating the economy. You're pouring petrol on the flames. Well, we're not going to pour petrol on the flames, and I think the, um, you know, the the increase over and above the, the, the normal uh, commitment on public expenditure, so from 5 to 6.1 uh, or, 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 or so, uh, is not excessive in my view, given the fact that the cost of living is putting so much pressure on people. And we've got to target our expenditure to try and help those uh, who are finding it very, very difficult to cope with the increased prices and increased costs. We also do you know, have to expand certain social policies. So expansion of childcare has been very significant and reducing costs of childcare, which is important for the broader economy <clears throat> in terms of people getting to okay. work. Um, and that is important. And we have to um, improve the quality of education uh, as we continue to do. Um, and the health service also. Um, our population is growing, Shane. And one of the problems, I think, historically has been, if you look over the last 20 years, our population has grown much more significantly than the previous uh, 20. Uh, and that has put strains on public services, which has created demands for additional expenditure on public services. And then you have increased uh, migration because of not just the war in Ukraine, but more generally global conflict 
uh, no question, but you, you must have that asked, creates pressure on public it does, But you must, as Tarnas then previously Taoiseach, you must have asked yourself the question, are we quick enough at adapting? There seems to be an inertia at the heart of our public service uh, that doesn't exist, for example, during COVID. We saw how they reacted then. But at other times, we seem to be very... Housing is a classic example where we are too slow to solve those problems. I think there are um, inbuilt um, um, mechanisms within our regulatory framework that certainly impede uh, a faster delivery on, on, on infrastructure. Um, so public transport, for example, in terms of new rail um, and, and so forth and, and, and buses. Um, but also in terms of housing. Now, we've made great progress with 30,000 houses last year, which is a big increase on the previous year. But we need to be doing that consistently uh, over the next number of years. And I think we will. But there's, there is no doubt that there, are, that there are obstacles in the way. The new planning legislation, in my view, is very important that we get that through before the end of this year to have a planning template that is more streamlined and that facilitates uh, the granting of planning permissions um, and uh, more quickly. Okay, you were uh, very outspoken about Sinn Féin uh, yesterday. You spoke about the huge incompatibility between yourselves and Sinn Féin on various issues. But you have shifted your opinion. Last, before the last general election, you were absolutely emphatic. Uh, people didn't believe you, but you were true to your word. You would not go into government with Sinn Féin. You have shifted your opinion a little bit. Why, why is that? You're leaving that door open. And of course, Sinn Féin also said they wouldn't go into government with Fianna Fáil, and they were emphatic about that in 2016 and 2020, which rarely gets said, but that is the case. Um, and um, I'm, my comments are focused on policy, um, and I believe uh, that going into the next election, Fianna Fáil has to outline the policy platform, which we will in terms of pro-enterprise party, pro-European Union party, putting housing as our priority, um, and in terms of uh, services. Uh, it is, if you look at Sinn Féin's performance over the last um, three years, uh, it's been very, very opportunistic, probably one of the most opportunistic oppositions we've ever seen. Um, in, in my view, it would get rid of schemes like the Help to Buy scheme, uh, the First Home scheme, uh, which are designed to help young people get access to housing, and they're resolutely opposed to that. Um, they've been very... Um, opportunistic, uh, inconsistent. In, okay. in, no, you, you're, you're you asked the question on know, climate but change. I you, I but you, why but have you shifted your position? On I'm it? saying I'm focusing it on, on policy um, and I'm keeping the focus on we asking people to vote for Fianna Fáil. We will go into government with like-minded parties, with like-minded policies okay. um, that will maintain the economic model that we have, Shane, would which it not has make worked sense? well. The Sinn Féin economic model, in our view, is not compatible with Would ours. it not make sense to fight the election as a government, as three parties, the outgoing parties of government, would it not be, say, re-elect us as a government? Would that not make more sense? I think each party is entitled to go to the electorate next time out with its own distinct policy platform. Uh, I do believe the government needs to go full term and needs to maintain coherence in terms of serving the people as a government, but each party then is entitled to go forward to seek the maximum okay. number of votes for itself and its policy platform after that. Uh, a couple of last things, uh, Thomas, in the last few minutes we have. Um, are you concerned about the high number of refugees still coming into Ireland from Ukraine and our ability to house those refugees? I think the country has done extremely well. It's unprecedented what has occurred. What we are witnessing is the weaponization of migration in a global conflict. Uh, so Russia decides to invade Ukraine illegally, immorally, and in flagrant um, uh, um, uh, breach of the UN Charter. Uh, and so it bombs indiscriminately civilian uh, residential targets in Ukraine, which creates 
a flow, uh, people flee war, particularly women and children. Uh, and I think we had to step up along with our European partners uh, to receive people fleeing from war. The same is happening all over the world. Uh, I was just come back from the Middle East um, and you, you're in a place like Jordan, 40% of its population is now uh, made up of, of uh, refugees okay. from Palestine but, and but from to come Syria. Back to, just and my the point time is, that we have to come back to Ireland. Yeah. Can we? Ha- can we? Continue we I think we can. I think we 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 ha- we have challenges both on the uh, normal asylum seeking uh, numbers because they've gone up fivefold, um, and we have legal obligations internationally. Um, but I think the. The, the, the way out of this or the way to deal with this is to actually increase resources to tackle the problem at source okay. uh, and to provide with the European Union, and this is a pan-European approach, to fund UNRWA, for example, the United Nations Relief Organization, more, so that you create a better quality of life for people in Africa, in the Middle East, so that the urge to migrate further is reduced. Okay. I think that is actually a more sensible, intelligent policy from Europe uh, that we need to do on a bigger it, scale it, it, than it we currently makes are. Sense. Yeah. Uh, a couple of quick things. Uh, you've accused Sinn Féin of triumphalising the troubles, infecting a new generation of young people. I'm curious, what's your take on the the singing of uh, Ua up the Ra at the electric picnic? And also, I was at a couple of Ireland games over the last week. I heard it sung at that as well. Do you have an issue with that? Do you have a problem with that? Do you worry about that? Well, I think, I, well, I, look, it's not about, I mean, singing songs happens. It's happened in previous occasions, but again, I look, as a young person growing up in the 1970s, all of those songs were the rage. Yeah. I'm not sure that they serve any purpose in the end of the day. I would have thought we had moved beyond that. Uh, you know, it's a, the songs have a simplistic narrative that um, in many ways um, is hurtful to victims of violence. We've got to call it straight. Um, and uh, some terrible atrocities were committed by the provisional IRA. Is it rewriting uh, history? And, um, Is it revisionism? There's no question that Sinn Féin have been very focused on rewriting history and creating a narrative that justifies its position. So Sinn Féin's view is that the provisional IRA campaign and the atrocities and so on were justified. Uh, and they do everything they possibly can through commemorations and so on to do that. Uh, and even they've worked at the 1920 period to try and twist that as well okay. and distort that. And it's, in, it's, it's interesting, if you take the Belly CD commemoration and others like that, Sinn Féin tried to hijack those. Uh, they tried to hijack okay. Belly CD. I mean, the Fianna Fáil heritage was Belly CD in terms of the surviving member. Sure. But we never sought to triumphalize that when I went down there to speak uh, this year with the family and so on like that. Because why? The Fuller family, who were the surviving members of that, said to he, the generation that came after him, he wanted no bitterness. He didn't want to triumphalize violence. He wanted to move on and he wanted the next generation to be okay. free of that bitterness. And what worries me today is there's, a, there's an attempt being made to... And when you just all of that and triumphalize it, you're sort of saying to people, the gun works. Like it didn't in Northern Ireland. I mean, there's a tremendous documentary out on Thomas Niedermeyer, the German industrialist who was murdered by the provisional IRA. But the implications for that man's family, his wife and daughters, Horrific, subsequently yeah. died uh, in tragic circumstances arising around the trauma. That's just one incident. You have the Jim McConville and so on. So you need a much more honest narrative. And if we did anything in the country with the decorative centenaries, I think it was an honest approach that allowed impartial, objective academics and others to look at our history without having to try and justify everything that happened, either during the War of Independence or Civil War. The provisional IRA, the Sinn Féin, should not try and twist what happened over the last 30 years in Ireland, because we all agree it was terrible. Uh, it was not good. Any skilling, I can go through all of it. Um, that's not good. And the younger generation today, there's a brighter future 
than what we had to experience when we grew up listening to the bombs and bullets every single day. It was terrible. Okay. And we, it, it we, was we, never justified. We do have to That's leave the it the there, point, unfortunately. Yeah. You, you will lead Fianna Fáil into the next election, I presume. If I, is that your answer? Are did you, you say unfortunately there? That I would? No, I didn't. I said you will, <laughs> I presume. <laughs> yes. I no, I didn't say unfortunately. <laughs> I jest, I jest, I jest. Okay. okay. Uh, said thank you. Thomas and Michal Martin, thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast this morning. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.